welcome to another message from Citizen Heights. We are located in the nation's capital, where our heart is to inspire hope, remove limitations, and help you experience God's possible for your life. Join Pastors Michael and Heather Giroux in their passion to help you live your best life. We hope you enjoy today's encouraging and uplifting message. Hey, Citizen Heights. If you don't know my face already, my name is Caden Giroux. And I am so excited to continue our series with our third installment of Behold, the Savior Comes. Our text today is found in Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. I want, you to, I want to invite you to turn with me there in your Bible, or maybe you're using our CH app with the Bible app. It's so easy to follow along. But let's go together to Matthew 9. And while you find Matthew 9, I want to take a moment to thank the team that has been, that has been just amazing at making church online happen these past 10 crazy, unprecedented months. We say thank you for adapting so well from the tech team, to the sound, to broadcast, to the worship team, all stars. It was no small task to change everything and they have done so well. And I'm thankful for a team that is resilient and faithful in this time of unknown and uncertainty. To have church, vision, and worship, and teaching remain constant in a time where there is no consistency, I'm grateful as I'm, as I'm sure you are as well. I also want to take a moment to honor some special people in my life, my mom and dad. Their dedication and commitment to this church, as well as to me and my brothers, has built me up and made me who I am today. I'm so thankful for their leadership as both parents and pastors. And I'm so thankful to get the opportunity to speak to you this morning. This is the church I've grown up in. Uh, I remember we were just a handful of people meeting in rented space on Capitol Hill. My brothers and I were the children's ministry, and we, were the be- and we weren't the best people, pupils. In fact, we probably owe some apologies to people. But I'm thankful to grow up in the same church with the same people who love me enough to let me go from a child to a friend, and today, hopefully and humbly, someone sharing a, an encouraging message with you. What a privilege it is to be able to encourage in the place I've received so much encouragement. So, we're on our way to Matthew 9, and it will serve as a backdrop as we continue our conversation we started two weeks ago. Week 1, we covered faith. We trust what we cannot see. In week 1, we saw that we are, when we are faced with an uncertain future, we can fully expect that Jesus will fulfill his promise of salvation and care in our lives. And then in week two, we covered four ways to avoid, avoid spiritual complacency by being a persistent seeker of God. And to continue our conversation today, I want to talk about trusting God in the face of the unknown. If you're taking notes today, that's the key phrase, trusting God in the face of the unknown. Speaking of the unknown, 2020, as we all know, has been a year of facing the unknown. Some of us have walked through it, some of us are still walking through it, but I've got news for you today. You can walk through the unknown and still be standing tall. You can walk through the unknown and still be taking ground. You can walk through the unknown and still have your joy. Anyone have some fog in their rearview mirror or even fog on the road, of he- on the road ahead? Sure, the unknown is out there. What, we do, what do we do, though, when we encounter the unknown? Our passage today gives us this insight. So let's open this conversation with a well-known piece of scripture about Jesus forgiving and healing the paralyzed man in Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 1 and ending in verse 8. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his town. Some men brought him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, 
Jesus said to them, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to man. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. Father, I thank you for, you are, for who you are, Jesus. I thank you that this, that this wouldn't just be a, a message or a formality or just words, Father, but you have stake in this. Father, I pray that you're going you're gonna to move through this mes- message, Father. I pray for all the people around the world um, that are tuning in. Uh, Father, I pray that you open their hearts, Father, to receive what you have for us. And in your name I pray. Amen. We just read together, in Ma- we just read together Matthew chapter 9. I think that when reading any portion of the Bible, it's important to know the context in order to fully understand what's happening and what we are reading. This section of the book of Matthew, chapters 8 through 10, show Jesus bringing the kingdom of God into people's lives. I suppose if you gave these chapters a subtitle, it could be, Behold the Savior Comes. In these three chapters, there are nine total stories, nine different accounts of Jesus bringing the kingdom of God into the lives of broken and hurting people. And Jesus heals or saves them all. And this is where we find the story of the paralyzed man. As I was reading this portion of scripture, one main thing caught my attention, and it began to inspire me, excite me, and encourage me. It's found in verse 2 when it says, when Jesus saw their faith. I love that Jesus can see our faith when we trust him. He sees our faith, and this is what Jesus was impressed with. This caught his eye. God is attracted to trust. Trust catches his eye. Trust gets God's attention. So many times I'm in situations where fear or anxiety or uncertainty would compete to be the filter of my life. But faith, but trust, God sees it when no one else sees it. God sees it through the crowds and noise and anonymity of life. God can see your faith. And the Bible says it doesn't have to be great big faith. Just faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. And Jesus, looked at, Jesus also looked at the men that had gone out of their way to bring the paralyzed man uh, to, uh, to Jesus. And he saw their faith. They knew if they could just get their friend to Jesus, there would be no doubt that he would be healed. How many of us know that faith is a game changer? I know in my own life this past year, having faith that, is going to, that everything's going to be okay and it's, uh, it's all in God's hands has been difficult. As a college student, I'm navigating the unknown. And it's on a scale that's probably so much smaller than your adult scale. I don't have a wife, I don't have kids or a mortgage, but I do have a car, um, a job, college tuition, are our classes in person, are we we, uh, online? And then in the middle of it all, God redirected me. I'm not a huge fan of uncertainty. I like consistency, normalcy, predictability. I'm my mother's son, I'm a planner. After graduating high school in 2019, I attended George Washington University, and I was so excited about it. I knew it was where God had placed me, where he had opened doors for me, and and I was living life, making grades, making friends, playing a lot of basketball. Life couldn't seem to be more perfect, and then it all changed. COVID, uncertainty, and unknown. I cannot claim to have experienced a tremendous amount of hardship in my life, but one struggle that all of humanity shares right now is life during a global pandemic. There's fear, there's loss, and there's unknown. And when the pandemic hit, I finished my unique freshman year on Zoom, not exactly what I had envisioned. I didn't learn much during that time, but I did learn one thing, 
I hated Zoom classes, as I'm sure most college students can relate. The uncertainty continued through the summer. It was five days before going uh, into my sophomore year, and God began to redirect me to Hillsong College, a ministry and leadership training school. My application was late. My classes were, had already been running for two weeks. I flew out with no place to stay, and on top of that, I was still registered for class at GW. The day I flew out, I was now enrolled in two colleges. When I got to Hillsong College the first day, I knew right away God had made a way for me to be there. A room opened up. I deferred my GW enrollment on the plane. They gave me a refund so that I then used to pay for Hillsong College, and I began to make just amazing friends and learn so much about the Bible. Now, I still don't know how everything's going to work out. I'm taking it day by day. I don't claim to have it all under control, but I know that it's in God's hands and under his control. I don't need to know the future because I know and am known by the God that holds his future, that holds my future in his hands. And in this simplistic faith, there's a supernatural peace that passes understanding. The Bible says in Psalm 29:11, the Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Now, I don't know how amazing is that? The Lord gives strength to his people and blesses his people with peace. Peace is strength. If you have peace, you're stronger. And I don't know that I've ever felt more at peace because I knew more facts. I've never felt more peace because I had more figured out. But when I trust God, there's a blessing of peace. When we are in the midst of uncertainty and in uncertain times, times of struggle and times of worry, I want you to remember this verse in 2 Timothy 2, verse 13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Did you hear that? He cannot deny or contradict himself. God can't act contrary to his nature. Paul is writing that Jesus in and of himself is faithful. Therefore, every promise he's made to you, every dream he's given you, and every word he's spoken over you is still alive and is still active. He is faithful. And his faithfulness isn't dependent on your faithfulness. In fact, 2 Timothy says, when we are faithless, God remains faithful. When we are faithless, God is faith more. When we are faith empty, he is faithful. And we, when we are faith depleted, he is faith completed. God doesn't need your faithfulness for you to earn his goodness. I know this year seems like a bust for many of you. Maybe you feel like you've lost ground in your relationship with God, or, 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 you lost, or you lost ground in your calling, or you're just wandering around in the uncertainty that is 2020 and what 2020 has dished out to us. But I am here to remind you that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When you lost faith, God did not. When you doubted yourself, God did not. When you were angry and frustrated with life because your plans were disrupted, and your hopes were interrupted, God is whispering to you his reminders and affirmations that his plan is still in motion. God sees your faith. It might just be a small step of faith right now, but take it. God sees it. He's attracted to it. Your faith can change everything in times of uncertainty. Now, I'm no Bible, I'm no Bible scholar. After one year of Bible college, I'm gonna keep these short and simple. But in my limited experience, I've found faith foundation doesn't move when the wind blows. 
A faith, did you hear that? A faith foundation doesn't move when the wind blows. When your finances stumble, a faith foundation doesn't falter. Faith foundations remain when everything else that can shake does shake. But you won't shake because you're being built and have been built on the rock. So here's the simple yet dangerous two-point application. I want this to be practical. So what do we do now if we are to learn how to trust God in the face of the, uh, of the unknown, in, in, in the face of uncertainty? Are you ready for this first point of application? All right, more Bible, less everything else. There's one way to feed your faith, and it's found in Romans 10, verse 17. Verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing what God said. Not what your favorite news feed says, not what your neighbor says, or what your know-it-all roommate says, but what God said. So our action response, read the Bible. I know it sounds, I know it sounds easy and simple, but read the Bible, study the Bible, memorize the Bible, meditate on it, talk about it, learn about it, pray on it. If you want faith, you want the Bible. If you want to be unshakable in, in uncertain times, you want the Bible. If you want direction, where you feel like there is no direction, or you feel like it's, everything's so confusing, you want the Bible. Just like what Pastor Heather uh, shared last week, don't become spiritually complacent, but instead grow and progress in faith. All of us will experience mountains and valleys in this life. The question is, are you fueling your faith or are you fueling your fear? 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 and 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. When we internalize the word and it becomes part of who we are, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. The devil has no place in our lives and gets no wins in our life. We have the authority to resist him and rest in Jesus' victory over him. Jesus is alive, and it's only a matter of time before God locks Satan up and takes us home for eternity, but until then, we are on a mission. We have a goal, and more Bible, less everything else is going to help us progress on that mission. All right, are you ready for the second point? Point number two, more Jesus-loving influencers in my life. It's simple, surround yourself with godly people. For me personally, I'm easily influenced by my surroundings. I think my, uh, if, if my roommates are all moody, it affects me if they're agitated and have a short fuse, it, it affects me. We have to be better caretakers of our relational ecosystems. If people around you are always complaining, you need a new ecosystem. If they're always negative, you need a new ecosystem. If they're always accusing this person or sowing doubt about God's word or God's people or causing you to lose confidence in God's community that he's given you, you need a new ecosystem. Better yet, how about as a people of God, we be thermostats and not thermometers. We don't react to the environment, we set the environment. I know this has been hard uh, in these past 10 months with quarantine and, and, and isolation, part of this, but part of this isn't just people reaching out to you, it's you reaching out to other people. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews 3, verse 13, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, something that we've all been told for a while. He lies and so does sin. Sin will disguise itself in the form of normality and excuses, 
but we need people who love Jesus to influence our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but I refuse to give the devil room to operate. That means I have to give God community that space. No matter if I'm in the highest mountain of my life or the deepest, darkest valley, the devil does not have free reign as long as God is with me. And sometimes we need someone to be his voice in those moments. No, in the text that we read today, it started with Jesus getting into a boat. Did you hear that? Jesus got into, into a boat. I don't know about you, but it reminds me of Jesus calling Peter out of a boat. And in, 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 in the midst of a raging storm, Peter said, if it's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus said, it's me. Join me. The wind, the waves, the storm, the unknown, and the uncertainty. But Peter got out of the boat. Now, I don't know what kind of storm you're in today, but I think Jesus is telling you to step out of your boat. Step out of your old way of thinking, your old habits, and into something you thought was impossible. Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything that he didn't do already. He only asks us to have a little faith. In this Advent season, in a challenging year for all of us, let us not fail to remember the real purpose of our celebrations at Christmas time. The message of Christmas rescues us. It restores us. It gives us strength. The Bible says that he is our strength. Take that verse to heart this Christmas season and build your faith in him so we may be filled up with strength for the year. Now, if you would bow your heads and close your eyes uh, in this moment with me, I wanna pray for two kinds of people today. The first group of people, you know you need to re respond to this message. You can feel it right now. You're saying, yeah, there, there were waves in the storm uh, and the storm hit me hard. And maybe it's still hitting me hard. But let me tell you right now, God is calling you out of your boat and wants you to strengthen you and wants to strengthen you with your with his faithfulness. You're making a decision today to have more Bible, less everything else. More Jesus-loving influencers in your life. So if you bow your heads right now, Jesus, I thank you for who you are, God. I thank you for these people, Father, and I thankful that I am thankful that you are uh, faithful, Jesus, in this time of uncertainty, God. So I pray for these people right now, Father. I pray that you fill them with your faithfulness, Father, and that you'd strengthen them with your faith and build our faith in this time. In your name I pray, amen. And for the second group of people, maybe you've never had a relationship with Jesus. And if this faithfulness, and, if, and you're saying, if this faithfulness is real, if what you're saying is true, then I need some of it. You know right now that God is tugging at your heart. He's pushing you to, to, to respond to this. The Bible says that, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him. And if that's you today, I want you to pray this prayer nice and loud. Repeat after me. Jesus, I need you in my life. I believe that you died on that cross and rose again for me. And I invite you into my heart. I accept you as my Lord. And I accept you as my Savior. In your name I pray. Amen.